Excuse me. This thing's a little hot. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Uh, children can be dismissed if they hadn't left yet. Everybody else can open to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to be looking there in verse 1. Uh, before we get started, I just want to talk to you for a minute. Um, this morning, um, I, I woke up early and I went out on my porch <clears throat> trying to prepare for this message. And I wanted so bad for, for to make something happen. You know, I wanted God to move great in me, and, and I wanted to have an amazing message that would mean something, and uh, I was just worried about getting everything correct, making sure I didn't say anything wrong, I wanted to make sure that I had all my doctrine, and, and everything was sound, and everything was great, and, and as I was sitting out there this morning, I was so busy and so focused um, on this message this morning and, and what I would say that I just, the Holy Spirit started convicting me this morning. And, and I looked up and, and I just got to looking around um, at everything that was going on around me and I was missing it. I was so focused on what I was doing and what I could do for the Lord that I was missing what was right in front of me, what the Lord was trying to show me. And I think that's what we do a lot of times in church. I mean, we get so focused on the music, and we have great musicians. Uh, we have great Pastor Randall here, that he speaks great. And and but if we get so focused on that and the teaching, uh, a lot of times we can miss what God is trying to do right in front of us. Uh, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. But before we do that. Um, I just want to take a minute, if you would, bow your head and, and, and just prepare your heart because I really have no idea what I'm going to say this morning, but I don't want to ever stand in the way of what God is doing, okay? If I have to stand up here and look foolish for someone to be saved, for a life to change, I want to be willing to do it. I want to see God's power this morning. I don't want to say vain words. I don't want to open up my Bible as a normal book. But I want to see God's power save somebody. I want to see lives change this morning. I want to see Him speak through me. I just want you to take a moment. What we're doing here this morning when we come into prayer. That we're a society that doesn't understand sacred. Okay? But when we're coming before the Lord, it's such a sacred moment. And the only reason that we can be there is by the blood of Jesus. So just take a moment to prepare your heart for that. God, I just love you. And I praise you. Lord, I just pray that this morning, Lord, as we come before you, God, that we would honor you in all that we do. God, that you would be glorified.
right now, Lord, that I would just get out of your way. And that you would just use me, Lord. God, I pray that if I have to stand up here and pray all evening, Lord, that I'll stay until you move. That you would break me. That you would do whatever it takes, Lord. For us to see you work in us, Lord. For you to be glorified. I love you and I praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. We had to change batteries. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm just going to read here, and then I'm going to give you a little background. Uh, it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come to you with excellence of speech or with wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How many of you remember, maybe as a child, um, when it would be about to be Christmas morning, and you anticipated that time, and and you, where you would you would uh, you couldn't sleep, you couldn't wait till in the morning um, to gather around the tree with your family. Uh, I remember me personally, there was little things that, that my parents would do and, uh, they would cook certain foods and certain meals, uh, every morning and we, we would have this time together that we would spend and it, and it really didn't matter, um, what the gifts were. It was just the anticipation of getting there and gathering with our family. Um, but then it seemed like the, and we had a great time, but it didn't seem like the older we get, uh, and then maybe even we, we become parents, um, the gifts, we, we try to get more elaborate. We don't want to give the same old gifts anymore, right? You want to make every year better and better for your kids. You want it better than what you had, and you give them more and more, and you focus more and more on the meals. And, and it becomes a time where you, where you get, as a parent especially, as, as an older, a mature adult, you get so like frantic, you get so stressed out that you can't even enjoy the time. I know there's been so many times we've had friends and family over, invited them, and I'm going to throw Lane under the bus, but she she goes so all out and with the decorations and, and preparing the meals and trying to make everything so perfect that we can't even enjoy it. Her mind scattered brain, we don't even get to enjoy the fellowship, and when we leave, we're like, oh my gosh. Thank goodness they're gone. And we were the ones that wanted them over. But we didn't really get to enjoy it. And, and I was just thinking about that. I mean, don't we do that a lot in church? I mean, don't we uh, remember as a child or as a, as a babe in Christ where, where we couldn't wait to just come and, and open God's Word? 
Or we couldn't wait to get in prayer. We couldn't wait to get in fellowship with other believers and just worship God. It didn't matter what kind of songs we were singing. It didn't matter who was the preacher or who was teaching. Just getting in His Word was enough. Fellowshipping with other believers, talking about what God did in our lives that week. But then it seems like the older we get, the more mature in the faith we get, we have to try to make the cross and Jesus Christ dying on the cross, crucified, raising from the grave. We tr- we try to make that more exciting. And so we, we, we practice more. We, we try to gain more knowledge. We try to have better songs. We try to have more events. And we forget about the reason we're here. I think we do that a lot of times in church, and, and I believe in, in this scripture here that Paul's talking about, that he's talking to believers. And, and a lot of times, we, we as Christians, we understand that we're supposed to go to the lost and to preach the gospel to them. But the, Paul was a brilliant scholar, okay? He, he was a Pharisee of his day. He was trained. He, was a, he, he knew the Mosaic law. He was a brilliant man. And he said when he got among the believers, the Corinthian church, that he didn't care if any of that, any of his knowledge, any of uh, the the ways that he could come up and twist the scriptures and the wisdom of man to make try to uh, to persuade people, he didn't ma- he didn't care if any of that was ever spoke. All he wanted to make known to these people was Christ and Him crucified, and that that would be enough for them. And I want to ask you this morning. I want to ask you, did you come here this morning to receive something from the message? To receive something to be fed from someone, the teacher or the worship band or the preacher? Or did you come here to worship Jesus? Were you excited like when you were once came to Him like as a child? To just get in the presence of God. Would it be enough this morning? I want us to be real with ourselves. Would it be enough this morning if you came here this morning and we just opened up God's Word? And, and, and we read a couple of scriptures. And we, and we actually were amazed by it and in fear and trembling of His Word. And we applied it to our lives and we prayed and we left and that was enough. Would that be enough for you? Would you continue to come? I was listening to, to uh, uh, Pastor uh, Francis Chan this week, and he said it was his daughter's birthday. And she was fixing to turn 13, and he asked her, he said, um, babe, if we just had a, a party at the house where it was just us, and, and we just had maybe had a cake, and we just talked about you and and how much you mean to us in our in how many friends do you think would show up? And she said, Dad, honestly, maybe two. Maybe not, maybe maybe one. Maybe my best friend, and that would be it. And he said, now, what if I went out and I rented, uh, rented out Dave and Buster's, and we had games, and, and we supplied food, and we had all of this amazing times. We had this elaborate di- birthday party, and you could invite all of the people. How many people do you think would come then? And she said, probably my whole school. 
And he said, now wouldn't that be foolish of me to say, once we get there and say, babe, look at all these friends you have. But isn't that what we do in church every day? We come up with schemes and we come up with all these ways, elaborate things to try to get people to come. We beg people to serve. We beg people to come. And then we look and we have 100, 200, maybe even 5,000 people coming to church and we look around and say, wow, God, look at all of these people, all of your children. But what would happen if every Sunday we just got up here and we read a couple scriptures? Would that be enough for you? Because if it's not, I want you to think about where your relationship's at with the Lord. Because Paul's telling us here that there should be nothing known among us except Christ and Him crucified. That when we come together as believers, that it's not by our persuasive words. It's not by all the knowledge that we can attain. It's not by all the events we can have. It's not by the music. It's not by our own power. But it's by the power, the demonstration of the Holy Spirit that changes lives. I'm sorry. But when I come to church on an average Sunday in churches all around America, I do not see the power of God moving. I want to. God has not changed. He still performs miracles. He can still transform people. He raises dead people to life. You're looking at one. Several of us around here have been raised to life, but sadly, that's not enough anymore in American church, in American Christianity. And we wonder why we're not seeing people changed. We're scared that if we come in here and we just are a willing vessel and we have nothing to say, all we have is Christ and Him crucified, that it's not going to be enough for people. And so what do we do? We either we don't serve or we take it upon ourselves to make something happen. We take it upon ourselves, our services, for the power of God to move through us. You know, we see in Scripture, I was reading in First Timothy, and I was reading about doctrine and all sorts of things there. But one thing that I never realized in the Scripture, that doctrine isn't just having your belief straight. Doctrine is having your life straight. It's living out your faith. And under that it says, these are proper for sound doctrine, and it's loving one another. It's being the church. It's not just thinking it straight. It's being it and living it in your life. It's not taking God's word and molding it to our lifestyles. It's not saying one thing and doing another. It's living it out. And we're called as Christians to be a willing vessel for the Lord. That's all He's looking for. So if Christ and Him crucified is enough for us, then what's stopping us from sharing the gospel with our co-workers, our friends, our families? How come there's only one or two of us that will stand up here and preach God's word? Why are we held back? Paul himself said that he was in fear and trembling. Because it's a fearful thing to get up here and preach God's word. But if I have to stand up here 
and look like an idiot in front of everybody for God to change somebody, so be it. I want to do it. My flesh doesn't, but my spirit does. This week when we were at work, we were all kind of having a bad week. And tensions was rising a little bit at work. And and Randall asked me uh, if if I would preach this week. And, and immediately my flesh didn't want to do it. Because to be honest, I haven't been studying. I flipped through a few pages, but I haven't really come before the Lord. It's been a, probably three or four weeks since I truly came before the Lord and seeked His face. Sure, I flipped open a couple of mornings, some scriptures, and I read them. But I didn't seek what God had. And so my flesh didn't want to preach. My flesh didn't want to get up there. Who am I? But as I sat there and thought about it for a moment, I could feel the Holy Spirit moving inside of me saying, you need to see the power of God. You need to see me move because that's when I see God move is when I'm willing to get up here and I have nothing willing to look like a fool because if you look in chapter 1 he says he made the foolish things seem mighty and great the Bible says that God didn't call many wise or many noble But he chose the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. I'm just a weak man. I don't know a lot about the Bible. I don't know everything there is to know about God, but I want to know. I want to believe in my spirit that if I'm willing to get up here and stand for his word, that he's going to demonstrate his power. That his word will not return void, as it said. I want to stand on his promises in my marriage. That if I obey what he has called me to obey and apply it to my life, that my marriage is going to flourish. That my children, that if I train them up in the way of the Lord, that they will not depart from it and that he's going to save them. I want to see His power move through each and every one of us today. And I want to believe that if we're able to just stand on His Word, that He's going to do it. You know, when when you look in Scripture... Never never in Scripture, and I'm not knocking this, I believe that we should study to show ourselves approved. Rightly dividing the word of truth, that's what it says in 2 Timothy. I believe we should, we should train ourselves up in, in God's word. I believe we should practice and try to do our best for the Lord. But when I read Scripture, I never see, not one time do I see, any of the, any of the men or women who stood up for the Lord taking a week or two or three or four years, preparing, oh, having to get everything, write everything down, writing a message down for God to use them. They were just standing in the gap and were willing to go and do it. When God called and said, who's going to go? They stood up and said, I will. They didn't know what they were going to say. They didn't know what they were going to do. But they believed God. And I believe as Christians, that's what we're lacking. We have right doctrine. Truth is being spoken here every week. 
Week by week, we have great teachers, we have great preachers, we have great servants of the Lord here. But if we want to see like in Acts chapter 2 where thousands are saved, we've got to get back to the simplicity of the Scripture that God is going to work miracles through us. That there's nothing we can do. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, I believe it's like verse 45 or verse 47, that many were added to the church and they gathered in simplicity of heart. Breaking bread. Fellowshipping. It was where they would get together and they would just, every one of them brought their gift. I mean, we were talking about it this week. I mean, could you imagine if we had a Thanksgiving fellowship with all of your family and everyone was supposed to bring food and only one person brought a turkey? The meat, you'd get tired of chewing on it after a while when that's all there is. And then you would eventually run out. But we're trying to run a church the same way. We got one or two people up there trying to supply meat and food for everybody else. But when you go and you read the rest of 1 Corinthians here, you're going to see that God supplied each person with a gift. And he says there's differences in the gifts. There's differences in the ministries. But there's only one spirit. One spirit. One power. And that's the spirit of Jesus Christ. If we believe... In Christ and what He's done and we have the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in us, then what's stopping us from seeing God move in our church service every Sunday? What's stopping us from serving? What's stopping us from being the ones who are going to stand in the gap? I don't know about you, but I I greatly need to see the power of God moving. In the, not only in the church, but in my life. And God says if we'll just stand in the gap and be willing to be that vessel, and when Him alone is enough, then He's going to perform a miracle. He's going to be the one that performs and changes lives. In Second uh, Corinthians or First Corinthians chapter two, um, it says in verse ten, "But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what a man knows, the things of a man, except." For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. I want you to think about that for a moment. The Bible tells us that without the Spirit of God, we cannot know God. We cannot know the things of God. How many times have you gotten into the Scripture and flipped the pages and just nothing coming to you? It seems like you're just reading empty pages of a book. Or how many times have you come to church 
and you walk out of here and you, and you and you just really didn't see God moving. Do you have the Spirit of God in you? Or if you do have the Spirit of God in you, are you grieving Him? Because the Bible says that sin in our life grieves the Holy Spirit. And it can hinder our walk with Him. And a lot of times when we think about stuff like sin, we think about adultery or murder or something on that line. But the Bible says that if a man knows of something good to do and he does not do it, that that's a sin unto him. I think every one of us is guilty of that. That we know that God's called us for a purpose. We know that God has a plan in our lives, but we have not put our faith into action. We haven't truly relied on God. And if we don't do that, that's a sin unto us. And that hinders our walk with the Lord. I pray that this morning that we would truly rely on God to perform the miracles in our life and transform our lives so that it would flow from us around into our families, into this community. I remember the first time that I ever was going to share my faith, I got asked by Greg Melandis to to talk at a, a men's fellowship. And really didn't know what I was going to say. I got up and gave sort of my testimony. I think I might have blacked out during the whole thing. And when I got done, I just, I bombed it. And I I left and I was just aggravated and I said, God, I, I bombed that. That was the worst thing ever. And I said, I'll never do that again. I'll never share my faith again. And I didn't for about six months. And about six months later, I was at a, a little church conference thing and this young man, he come to me. He's in his 20s. And he said, hey, do you go to Cedar Creek Church? And I said, yeah. And he said, I thought you looked familiar. He said, uh, a friend of mine goes there and he invited me to the men's fellowship and it was the first time I ever came. And he said, you got up and shared your testimony and you said some things in there and he said it really got me thinking and I went home and he said I got saved that night and it changed my life forever and he was in tears and he said I just wanted to thank you that you had the boldness and you were willing to get up and let God use you because you changed my life forever and he had even said that now he he had brought his little brother to faith and you know and it, it just convicted me I said God I want to be willing to bomb it for you Every day. If that's what it takes. And I'm not a good preacher. I'm not a good speaker. I don't know a whole thing. But I'm willing to stand for Him. Because I love Him. Because I love you. And I want that to be enough in my life. I want it to be enough to open up God's Word. And just to get together with believers in church. And see God move. And ask each one of you. What did you bring to the table this week? 
And that you would share what God did with you in your life because that's what we see in Scripture and that's when we see God move. When every person brought what God had done in their life and they brought that to the table and we fellowship together and we broke bread and remember what Christ did in our lives while we can even stand. Because I know God knows that if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, I couldn't stand up here. So I'm going to ask you, can we get back to the simplicity of Christ and Him crucified and it be enough? Are you willing to stand in the gap and come and do have not have time schedules? Not worry about what we're eating after here. Not worrying if Jeremy gets up here and says, Hey, we're not going to sing this week. We're just going to pray. And we're going to stay here until God moves. Or if each week we had a different speaker, maybe we called upon one of you to do it. Would you get up here and look like a fool for Christ? Because that's what God's looking for. And I believe with all my heart that if men and women would stand and be willing to bomb it for the Lord, be willing to stand in the gap no matter what it takes, to be willing to look foolish to the rest of the world, that we would see a great revival in this nation and in the church. If you would stand with me this morning.